Well, praise the Lord. It's wonderful to be together today. And um, uh, I must admit, I'm so glad that different ones have expressed their appreciation of the celebration of the Queen. And, uh, and uh, my heart just totally identified with everything that was said there. Just tremendous to hear that message from the Archbishop of York. I don't suppose I can remember anything I've ever seen on the television other than on a Christian program where it was just Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I was driving the car at the time and I tell you, I got so excited. It was just it, all I could do to keep it going in a straight line. But it was just wonderful. I had to ring Jill on the, on the mobile phone and say, what a message. So, so that was just uh, wonderful. And we just pray. We just pray. Um, Lord, I just want to pray right now, Father, that just as the Archbishop spoke so clearly and faithfully um, in that situation, Lord, to the whole nation listening there, we pray from up and down this land the message of the gospel of your Son, Father God, and forgiveness of sins and life eternal and the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, will be proclaimed up and down this land without fear or favour. Father God, from village and town and city and pulpits all over the place, we pray in Jesus' name. We ask, Lord, for you to pour out your spirit afresh on this land so that the days even of Wesley and Whitfield and Spurgeon and all the greats, Father God, that have gone before and been so used under your hand to bring revival in this country, that those days will come back again, will flood back again, we pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes. The righteous, the Lord says, says in the scripture, is bold as a lion. And if there's one thing that the Holy Spirit brings, he brings boldness. So let us just remember that as we, as we just look to the Lord in these days. We want to see a whole new boldness come upon the church, upon every one of us. Amen. I think we're in for exciting days. We rejoiced in the, in the Queen's long reign, and we do that with a full heart. But we're gathered here to celebrate the, the risen Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who the scripture says, whose goings are of old. Hallelujah. And who now reigns and has been given that position uh, where he has a name that is above every name in heaven and earth and under the earth, all three realms. Jesus is Lord. Praise the Lord. So I just want to read this morning here that um, from, I'm glad that uh, passages in the scripture have not included the one that I wanted to use this morning, so, although it's all good and I wouldn't mind to read it twice again. But I want to read um, uh, Peter's uh, freshly empowered with the Holy Spirit with a fresh boldness and clarity and insight and revelation. He stands up and gives this passage, this um, message here in chapter 2 verse 22 to the people listening after having said that, uh, quoting the message from Joel, and saying, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He then went on to say this, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man 
accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him, um, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. So God knew every detail of it. He was in it. He planned it uh, in order to satisfy um, the, his justice and his righteousness in order to deal with our sins and make us completely clean before him. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptised, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes 
and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is an awesome passage of scripture that launches the church. This is what we're celebrating today, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which was, most scholars agree, the birth of the church. And uh, Luke, who's writing this, he's, he's written about the life of Jesus and all that Jesus said began to do and teach. And almost without taking a breath, it seems, he goes straight into the continuation of the life and work of Jesus through the disciples and through all those who were saved and followed him because the same life that was in Jesus that enabled him to do those miracles and speak the way he spoke is now in us, his followers and his believers. Because until Jesus, as you well know, until he was baptised in the Holy Spirit, at the same time that he was baptised in water. His life is quiet. Apart from one or two things when he was 12 years of age, there's nothing in particular to write about, about him and his, fa and his family. But when he's age 30, which was the age when the priests began their ministry, following and fulfilling the Old Testament pattern, when he was age 30, he is baptised in water and the Spirit comes down upon him like a dove, and then he goes to his hometown where he was brought up, Nazareth. He opens the passage to where the reading for the day, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim good news, to release the captives, to set the prisoners free, to heal the brokenhearted, hallelujah, and to declare the acceptable day of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, that same Spirit that was that was in that flowed into Jesus has now is available to flow into us. God's gift for us is to be filled with the fullness. That's what Paul prayed for to the church at Ephesus who were birthed in the supernatural. He says to them, I pray for you. I'm praying that you will be filled to all the fullness of God. And that's what he wants for you and I. That's a message for you and I. And we ought not to stop or hold back until we know that we know that we know that we're filled to the fullness of the Spirit of God in our lives and find ourselves just overflowing with a boldness and a freedom, having the tongue, as the Old Testament says, of a ready rider um, to speak and to share as the Lord gives opportunity to whoever we meet. Oh, what an amazing thing. I love what Francis Chan says that uh, in one of his addresses. He says, God's love for us is a crazy love, a crazy love. If you just consider what he's done for us, it's like he's just not hold anything back, but he's just opened heaven and poured out heaven for us. He's wiped us totally clean. We, this is in our diary. It's not only Pentecost Sunday, but also as Whit Sunday, and that is a word... It harks back to days when um, people who were going often on this Pentecost Sunday, um, they were going to be baptised. They would all wear white clothes, and, it got, and that got the name. And other pri the priests wore white vestments, and so the name was abbreviated, not White Sunday, but Whit Sunday. And why did they wear the white? 
They, wear the, they wore the white because they knew that they'd been made totally clean by the blood of Jesus, that Jesus was their saviour. Every sin had been forgiven, past, present and future. Because Jesus said, it is finished. And that is crazy. When you, there were so many in the church world today have got it wrong and are still laboring on trying to live for Jesus and trying to be acceptable to God and trying to be good. The reality is Jesus has removed all that effort and all that trying. You can't add one thing to what Jesus has done. He said, it is finished. And the Lord says, um, God says in Hebrews, he says that I won't even remember their sins and their misdeeds no more. I've wiped the slate clean. We've all got a complete new, a new beginning. And brothers and sisters, that's why we can receive the Holy Spirit. Remember, he is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of a holy God and a holy Jesus can come into us and fill us because we have been made holy. Don't shrink about away from that. You have been made holy. You've been made ready to be a container for the Holy Spirit of God and for his power to flow through you. And oh, brothers and sisters, how awesome is this? We're containers of the Holy Spirit of God. And the church set forth in those days, it set forth um, listening to and walking with and keeping in step with the Spirit of God. And so they walked in power. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit comes and does, does a death blow to all the mess that we've carried in our head, wrong thinking, things that we wish we hadn't done or said or thought. All of that is removed away as we walk in the Spirit. We've been made new creatures in Christ. And Paul writes to the Ephesians, to the Galatians, and he says, who are trying to be good and, and fulfill the law. He says, if you, he says, will walk with the Spirit, you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. It's all part. But the Spirit of God will fill you, fill your mind, fill your thinking, give you God thoughts and God plans and God visions. Oh, that's the way to live. Brothers and sisters, every day, you see, this thing, we look back to Pentecost, but let's remember this totally. This is not just a historical fact. It must not ever be a fact of history. It has to be a daily experience because they were filled with the Spirit back then and the same people that were filled with the Spirit in Acts 2 were filled again with the Holy Spirit after prayer in Acts 4. It says they prayed and the place was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, don't be drunk with wine, don't get into what the world does, but be filled with the Spirit of God, singing hymns to one another, making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks to the Lord. There's a real key for walking in victory, isn't it? Being filled with the, being filled with the Holy Spirit, having a song in your heart, and being full of thanksgiving to the Lord for all his goodness. 
to us. Oh, brothers, that's a way to live. We're to live filled with the Spirit, empowered from on high. Hallelujah. We've so much to look forward to, and they've removed the clock here I see today somewhere. <laughs> so, but nevertheless, um, we've so much to be thankful for and so much to look forward to. And I love this phrase here that he, God, raised Jesus from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And brothers and sisters, I want to tell you this tonight because you have been so clean, so washed in the blood of Jesus and through the blood of Jesus, you are totally pure and holy in his sight. Where are you? We are in Christ. I am in Christ this morning as I'm speaking to you. You are in Christ as you're sitting there listening. Christ is holy. Christ is pure. If you're in him, you're holy. You're pure. Hallelujah. And so if you died tonight, you would go straight, absent from the body, present with the Lord, straight into the presence of God, received by him, completely blameless and free from all accusation. Nobody can put a finger on you or upon your life or against you because you've been totally forgiven, cleansed, set free by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the blood that he shed on the cross at Calvary to purchase you and your salvation. You belong to him. We're not our own, the scripture says. We belong to him. Hallelujah. And so what a thing it is. We can look forward to an eternity with Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so this is why we have um, such cause for thanksgiving because not only do we look forward to this, but also he's with us now. Amen. And he changes lives. Praise the Lord. And so, on this day of Pentecost, in this sermon, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, been set free from all his cowardice and, and, um, and uh, his fear, he explains the great victory of Jesus. He talks about his life, ministry, death, and in particular his resurrection, he gives four reasons why you can be sure that Jesus has been raised from the dead and why you can be sure that you will also be raised from the dead and be with Jesus and in his presence forever. I want to give you four of these four reasons. One, it's logical. Satan's power of death could not possibly be stronger than the power of life in, in the Lord Jesus, our Saviour. Peter explains, God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And you could say that over you. Say it over your loved ones who know Jesus. It's impossible for death to keep its hold on you. We are full of life. It's, it's life. Life is in us. Life will always be in us. And when we leave from this this earth, we're just going to even greater life. D.L. Moody once said, you'll read one day in the papers, in the newspapers, Moody is dead. He said, don't you believe it. When you read that, I'll be more alive than I in the presence of Jesus than I've ever been here on earth. Praise the Lord. 
And that's what's ahead for us, amen? So it's logical. It's also biblical. Number two, he points out, Peter points out, the resurrection was prophesied in Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. Peter says, David was a prophet, knew that God had promised him on oath, oath that he would place one of his descendants on the throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ. David's body did not see. Um, uh, it, it, it didn't, uh, what is the word he used? He didn't see, uh, oh, let me get it right here. Um, what did he say here? Because um, you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. So he didn't see decay. But he wasn't speaking of himself. He was speaking ahead of Jesus who rose from the dead and walked around amongst them and is now alive and reigning in heaven and coming again. And so that it's logical, it's biblical, it's also number three personal. Peter gives his own testimony. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of the fact. Peter says, in effect, we have all seen him. And then this comes down right now to where we are here now. It's also, number four, experiential. The experience of the Holy Spirit is in itself the evidence of the resurrection. After life, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus came the final act in his saving ministry, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. Uh, see and hear. This experience was not confined to those who were present on the day of Pentecost. It is for every Christian. It is for you. It says in the scripture, the promise is for you and all your children and all who are far off, which is us, for all whom the Lord our God will call. You know, every time someone experiences the Holy Spirit, it's further evidence of the resurrection. Every time you you find someone, like, even like we've had this morning, we've had prophecy here this morning um, with, uh, from Susan, and uh, we had a tongue last week from, uh, from uh, Gerard here with the interpretation. All these are signs of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. And it's all evidence of the resurrection because Jesus arose and poured out the Spirit. If he hadn't risen, from that, he would not have been able to do that. I must admit for myself, I have never, and I thank the Lord for this, but I've never ever, since I came to the Lord, had one moment of doubt. I can't doubt. I've experienced too much of the Lord to doubt. I've seen too much of what he does to doubt. I simply can't doubt because he's life. I can't doubt the life inside. That's the reality. And so, someone, I know my dear father-in-law always used to say, the man with an experience is not at the mercy of a man with a theory or an argument. And praise the Lord, when you know that you know that you know, praise the Lord, Jesus is alive. You can't be dissuaded. I may not be able to answer every argument or, or every question, but I know that I know that I know that he's alive and that he's in me and that he's coming again, and that the Bible is true. Amen. From Genesis to Revelation. Amen. So the Holy Spirit enables us to recognise the truth of the words of Peter, of Peter. 
You crucified Jesus of Nazareth, he said. Jesus died for my sins. You could say, in a sense, I killed Jesus, or you killed him because your sin was present there and being dealt with on that cross. And when you realise that, when you realise he came to die for your sin and mine, hallelujah, what a saviour. The old Sunday school hymn says there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Oh, what a saviour. Amen, amen, amen. And the way you receive this promise is by repentance, faith in Jesus, baptism, and receive it, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which will be seen in changed life and a transformed community. Now it's 12, and I am going to just wind up quite quickly here. We see what the impact this had on us at the end of chapter 2. How the, the fellowship of the believers, and here are signs, signs of the outworking of the Holy Spirit in our lives. First of all, it says here, they devoted themselves to the apostles of teaching and to the fellowship um, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. That's a starter. It shows there that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love because God is love. And the Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. It's amazing what Paul wrote when he said, when he declared, now the Lord, God Almighty, the Lord is the spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So they're all together, three in one, one in three. So amazing. So when the spirit of God comes in us, into us, it, it, it opens us up to the love of God in amazing and overwhelming um, experience of his love. And so, first of all, the church is a place that's full of love for God. They also had a new love for the Bible. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And uh, much of that teaching is now enshrined in the New Testament. They had a new love for the sacraments. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They broke bread in their homes. They met in large gatherings in the temple courts. And they met in smaller places in, the, in, the, in one another's homes and broke bread there. They had a new love for prayer. The spirit-filled church will be a praying church. They had a new love also for one another. The church, as they just simply, says all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to such as had need. And every day they continued to meet etc. The church shall be marked for love for one another. I believe this is. And they had a new desire to meet together. They devoted themselves to the fellowship and continued to meet together, eating together with glad and sincere hearts. The spirit-filled church will be a united church. And on top of that, they were um, filled with love for the world. The church shall be filled with love for the world. They were an outward-focused community performing signs and wonders, praying for people wherever the opportunity arose and sharing their testimony whenever they had um, that opportunity with respect and gentleness. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Spirit-filled church will be an outward-looking church. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit 
wants to come amongst us more and more and more and to fill us to overflowing with the life, the power, the joy, the peace of the Father himself. The peace of the Prince of Peace. Oh, and ah, don't ever think anyone of you can't receive this. You, you can't receive the Holy Spirit. Look, He's cleaned you out. He's set you up. He's made you ready. Every one of you is a candidate for the Holy Spirit to come and fill you. Amen, amen. And I just want to really just say, Father, today, let's just bow our heads as you are. Open your hands before us. I'll bring this thing to a close. Lord, we just want to thank you that just as the fullness You want us, Lord, to experience your fullness. Lord, you haven't held anything back from us. You've made everything available to us through the resurrection of Jesus, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, move on each one. If you're humble this morning, just say, thank you, Lord, fill me afresh with your spirit. <coughs> right now, that Ephesians 5.18 meant, is really meant in the Greek, it continually fills with the Holy Spirit. Feed him. Receive him. The word for spirit is the Greek word pneuma, a sense of breath. Breathe in as an act of faith. Say, Lord, I breathe this breath in. Breathe in. Breathe in his spirit. Breathe in his presence. Holy Spirit, you know every hungry heart here. Bless them. Drench them. Fill them. We'll overflow them now and as we relinquish grace, as we make our way home, Lord, the bubbling up will start coming. Lord, as you said, where our hearts were, our tongues were filled with and singing and our, and our hearts with laughter. As when you set us free and you released our captivity, Lord, there's signs of your presence, joy, laughter, lightness of heart, joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, do it again and again and again. Lord, some of us have had such wonderful experiences of you, but you never want to stop. You never say enough is enough. Lord, do it again. I breathe upon you by faith in Jesus' name. Breathe. I bless you. Receive the Spirit of God. Receive joy of forgiveness. Receive the joy of His presence. 
Oh, Jesus. Lord, may these precious people even wake up in the middle of the night laughing. Lord, with a song in their heart because you're their Lord, because the Spirit of God loves to be at home in them. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you and receive you, Holy Spirit, afresh today. And may you come upon us continually, day by day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, Lord, until we find ourselves taken into your presence, whether we enjoy unspeakable and full of glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you. Yeah, bless you all. Thank you. Bless you, bless you.